Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the New Books in Indian Religions podcast, a podcast channel here on New Books Networks. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkaran, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Sanjay Singhal on a fascinating new development which will interest um, those interested in Indian religions called uh, Sangraha. Sanjay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Raj. Yeah. So, you know, we've put the link to this project in the podcast notes so folks can check it out. But tell us, what is Sangraha? Well, this is a, an online digital catalog of Sanskrit manuscripts. And we started working on this some four years ago. Uh, two years were lost to COVID. Uh, but what we found was that while there is a lot of people who have collections of manuscripts, they don't see the light of day because they're very, very hard to find. And uh, so I started this initiative uh, four or five years ago. Uh, and what we do is we go to libraries, collect digital images of their uh, manuscripts, and then catalog each manuscript and produce a detailed descriptive catalog, which you can see on the website. Um, most catalogs are simple tabulations of uh, manuscripts. So this one is detailed. It gives a lot of information about the manuscript so that people can very quickly understand whether they want to have this manuscript or not. So that's what Sangre is. Uh, there is a crying need for it. Before we started to do this work, I investigated what was available, uh, both within government and in uh, private circles. Uh, the whole thing was inspired by a uh, keynote address which Dr. Dipti Tripathi, who uh, I know you know and have interviewed, um, she was a keynote speaker at the uh, World Sanskrit Conference in Vancouver in 2017. And she had previously been the uh, director of the National Manuscript Mission. And it was from there that I realized that there was something missing in the government's initiative on trying to protect uh, manuscripts. And uh, once I investigated, I was encouraged by a lot of scholars. And based on that, we decided that we'll go and see what best we can do. So when we started, um, we thought, well, all we need to do is license a software system which manages libraries, and uh, off we go. We'll, we'll, we'll be able to do a good job. But we soon realized that it is a lot more, more difficult. The standard library systems don't really work with manuscripts. So we ended up inventing our own computer system to um, do this cataloging work. And from the very outset, I knew that we had to do this on scale. There are probably 10 million manuscripts available in India. And uh, some say fewer, some say more. I don't care. We just, best estimate I got, the central estimate I got was about about 10 million. And we said, well, let's try and do 25% of these. 
So we set our target to do two and a half million Sanskrit manuscripts. And as soon as you think at that scale, you need computer systems which will scale and will be able to deal with speed of search and things like that. Given that my original background was in technology and not in Sanskrit. I'm not a Sanskritist. I'm a, I'm a technologist. Uh, we ended up inventing the systems by which we do the cataloging. Uh, and the biggest challenge was how do you get high quality, accurate, consistent uh, catalog entries. And that is what this new system was really strongly focused on. And I'm proud to say that we have been able to now achieve a certain scale. I think at five and a half thousand or whatever it is now we're at, we may probably be the biggest single online catalog of Sanskrit manuscripts. But this is only the very, very early, early days. Uh, we um, will get to, over the next 20 years, our goal of two and a half million. I have no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, that that's what Sangre is. It's it's a difficult job, but it's a job worth doing. We thought it's a fascinating, and uh, I couldn't agree with you more. That it's an extremely important endeavor in so far as as what you described as a crying need. Um, just just pan out a little bit for uh, maybe some of our generalist or, or, or our public audience. So um, there are millions of manuscripts, as you say. Yeah. Um, and, and, and where are they in, in, in what condition are they in whose care are they, you know, where are they currently? Yeah. Well, a lot of these manuscripts, my estimate is about 60% of the manuscripts are in private hands and 40% of the manuscripts are in the hands of government libraries in university libraries and other research institutions. The national manuscript mission tried to target all the manuscripts that they could lay their hands on. And that is work which is still ongoing. I mean, the National Manuscript Mission was started some 20 years ago. And uh, they set themselves the task of just digitally imaging all these manuscripts. A good job and a very useful and very important job. But the reality is those images are not really useful because nobody can find anything of interest in them. Without a catalog, those images are useless. So while in a way the original manuscripts have been preserved digitally or the contents of them have been preserved digitally, the uh, access to scholars is still very, very limited. In fact, very, very hard to do. Now, you asked me about the condition of these manuscripts and these libraries. The, by and large, uh, they are paper manuscripts and paper manuscripts, things written on paper last 400 years, 500 years, about that. The oldest ones we have cataloged it back to, I think, 1490 or 1510, something like that. After that, they really uh, become, um, they break, paper breaks, actually. Thankfully, the papers uh, produced in those days didn't use a lot of acid, so they have uh, endured. But, you know, in another 100 years or so, we will lose the oldest of them. And the only way we can preserve them is by producing digital copies. I have seen some which have just been wet in the rain. They've been eaten by insects. They've been uh, uh, kept in such a way that they just all the pages are stuck together. 
you feel sad, but you know, given the resources available to the person who has these manuscripts, they're trying to do their best. The way this uh, works is people today, their granddad, great-granddad, whoever, had a collection. And they, in fact, revered these things and really valued them. So the present generation values them, but they don't have a use for them. Previous generations had a use for them. So, and then as families grow, people need space. What do you do? So some, because they're considered holy, just say, look, I need the space. I've got this stuff. What do I do? They just go and immerse them in a river, which is so sad. But that's the only thing they know what to do. Uh, they know to do in terms of disposing something with respect is what you do in uh, in Hindu tradition. Others take them to libraries and so on and so forth. So any any formal library will probably receive a couple of hundred manuscripts from different people in a year. And they arrive in a shape which is really sad. And then the library has to spend time and effort to sort them out to, uh, and produce a list. Even producing a list sometimes takes two years because of the massive mixed up paper which is uh, delivered at the doors of the library. So when we start to digitally image this stuff and when we start to catalog it, the first thing we've got to do is actually arrange them in page order. Even when good people have done imaging, the, because probably because of the way the library itself had kept the manuscript, or the chap that was doing the scanning of the photography had the order in which he took the uh, leaves and uh, folios and photographed them or scanned them, they get mixed up. So that's the first thing we've got to do is put them in page order. And that's when you determine, is this a complete manuscript? If it is incomplete, then what parts are missing? Because these are important things for scholars. And so that's really the starting point. So yeah, they are in bad condition, um, but not all. Some are really well looked after. Um, and my feeling is um, the private collectors look after them better than some um, government and university collections because I've seen the bad of both. Mm. And so I realize the next uh, purposely naive question is oceanic. But uh, nevertheless, what's, what's, you know, uh, there are so many manuscripts and uh, they're decaying. What's on them? What, what do these contain? <laughs> everything. Everything that you can think of. <laughs> the, whole, the whole of the, um, the whole gamut of Sanskrit literature is uh, encapsulated there. Um, I think a few months after COVID, we discovered some, uh, two manuscripts, in fact, to do with Mahamari Shanti. So the Shanti Yagya to be done at the time of a pandemic. <laughs> it's just topical. Uh, I wasn't aware of this. I was aware of the fact that in the Mahabharat and in the Shanti Parv, there is an Apadharm uh, Parv in which uh, Bhishma tells Yudhishthira about the role of a king when faced with a pandemic. But to find a Yajna which could be done uh, at the time of pandemic, was interesting. Now, there's all sorts of weird and wonderful knowledge, both from science and philosophy, and, uh, you know, 
it is on manuscripts that critical editions of uh, ancient texts are based. So we've got, I don't know, literally hundreds to do with the various uh, um, karmakand and how you do all the rituals. But that's because of the nature of where these things come from. But some Vedic or the other takes up to Karmakan, writes his notes on, you know, if somebody's getting married, how, what are the rituals to be performed? And that is a manuscript. But again, this is an interesting insight into the history of how these rituals have evolved. So there is a project on in Pune. Uh, in fact, it started in Wai, but right now it is being run from Pune, where they're doing a complete um, look back on the various rituals and religious practices of Hinduism. So they're going through two and a half thousand uh, texts to determine how these things used to be done. So if somebody's got a new house, um, there is a Vastu Puja today, and there used to be a Vastu Puja 100 years ago, and a Vastu Puja 500 years ago, and a Vastu Puja at the time of the Ved. So how is that different? And they're just compiling it as an encyclopedia. So it's just, that's the kind of, you know, we think that as Sangra, our job is to enable research. We're not researchers. Our job is to enable researchers. And if we can make the resources on the basis of which these researchers can work available, then we've done a good job. So, um, you know, I was telling you about my um, inspiration coming from Dr. Tripathi uh, at Vancouver. I think as I was thinking of this project and finding out what was happening in India, I attended a seminar in Bangalore where there was one gentleman who wanted to do some work on the uh, astronomy as described by a scholar called Vridh Gargya. And it took him 13 years to find the three or four manuscripts that Vridh Gargya well, that, uh, that represented Vridhagargya's work. And by the time he got them, he was near retirement. So you can imagine how hard it is if it takes 13 years for a researcher to find the basic thing. And that to me was a very important story of if Sanskrit is to thrive and is to um, uh, prosper, then you've got to enable this research and make it faster. And there was one other motivation really uh, and that is that the more I interacted with the Sanskrit community, the more I realized that young people are not attracted to it. And that's because Sanskrit hasn't made the leap to digital humanities. You know, younger uh, kids would like to work with technology, would like to, you know, use all the model tools that are available. But Sanskrit somehow has stayed away from that. And if it's got to prosper, it must make that leap towards digital humanity. So there are a few people in India who are working in that direction. And I just thought, well, this would be another step or just one more break in that platform, which will ultimately become the digital humanities platform for Sanskrit. So and hopefully that will attract younger people. Yeah, the uh, just underscore for for a more generalist audience, the 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 um, scope and the significance 
of this sort of enterprise cannot be understated insofar as for example okay i want to i want to look at the the ramayana okay which ramayana i want to look at the valmiki ramayana the oldest iteration of the ramayana in sanskrit so okay great we have robert colbin's translation project uh, took decades i believe the, the the seventh book has just come out a year or two ago and the first one was published in 1984 i believe uh, and so, okay, so Goldman is looking at, he, he and this team, this international team of scholars are translating the critical edition of the Volmiki Ramayana. The critical edition was produced by stacks and stacks of manuscripts through through, through a stringent methodology that we are going to hear. Um, so this is where, you know, uh, out beyond what is preserved in um, Sampradaya and oral memory, what we have of living and past traditions, uh, knowledge systems of India is on uh, is on these parchments, and this stems from everything from from narrative, Itihasa Purana, Ramayana, Mahabharata, um, Puranas, to um, to law, to treaties, to 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 to, to ritual texts, and and Sanskrit has been used for millennia. So there's an extraordinary amount of and types of knowledge of information of insights of perspectives of practices and who knows what is yet to be discovered laying in someone's collection yeah and exactly and i think the richness of sanskrit literature is not just the fact that it covers such a vast uh, area of uh, knowledge but also that whoever wrote these other people wrote commentaries on that work so Right, Panini's Vyakaran is well known, but there are at least 150 different commentaries on that text. And when uh, critical editions are being written or when stemna are to be analyzed, sometimes you don't find pure manuscript, but you find commentaries which describe different stemna and so on. So an important part of what we're doing is linking texts with commentaries and what I call grand commentaries and great grand commentaries, because you get commentaries and commentaries, and, and there are examples where an author of a book has produced his own commentary on that book, and then his son has produced a commentary on the on the dad's commentary, and so on. And these are all, you know, expounding and eliciting meaning from what was originally written, and that too is a very very important part of Sanskrit um, research is how have your predecessors or people who've studied the same text before interpreted them? And how are you going to interpret them? Because, you know, that's interpretation of a text is an important part of research. So it's not just critical editions. It's also, uh, you know, what went on before. And for research to be really effective, you, as, as Newton said, you've got to stand on the shoulder of giants. But in the case of Sanskrit, we know there were giants, but where are they? <laughs> and And that's the kind of thing that Sangre wants to uh, at least facilitate, at least make those jats available. So folks go to the Sangre site, and then what? You will find any manuscript, I mean, the manuscripts we have cataloged so far, and uh, what we've been able to do is produce a, a search engine which has, um, which solves the problems that searching Sanskrit text has, um, you can uh, uh, see in, for instance, if you type in Ramayana, now there is, you know, 
eight or nine different versions of Ramayana. There's Adhyatma Ramayana and so on and so forth. So you can see all of them in one go. You can see the commentaries that are there. You can then filter based on your particular interest. And then actually see the manuscript that you, whether it fits your research needs or not. And then just buy it like you would off Amazon. So we make no money out of this sale. The library sets the price. And whatever we collect, we give to the library. So we're just a not-for-profit service. We're just a service for cataloging. So that's what Sangra is all about. And the other thing which we've done in Sangra um, is we've exposed one of our internal tools, which we call Sandarbha. And we, you know, frequently when we're dealing with manuscripts, we've just got no start, no end. We've just got some middle pages. And we don't know what text this is. We have no idea. How do you find out what text this is? And it takes a lot of time reading through. You realize it is some Puran or the other. Which Puran is it? And so what we did is we developed a tool by which you can put in a Padd and it will go out and search a corpus of many um, Puran texts, Vedic texts, Itihas texts, and so on, and come back with hits to say, okay, this phrase is found in these places. And it comes back with that phrase or that pad in the context of five shlokas above and five shlokas below. So our scholars quickly identify, okay, this must come from the Agnipura because the five shlokas on either side match Agnipura. So it helps for it, you know, we developed the tool for this purpose, but we thought this would be something which would be useful to general scholars as well. <coughs> so we've exposed Sandar, and uh, we're uh, the next step again for general uh, scholars is um, to um, expose a search engine that we have made for the national for the new catalogus catalogorum. The NCC is a very important uh, secondary source for identifying manuscripts. Indeed. So we've digitized the NCC. We've developed a search tool for the NCC. And uh, the reason why we haven't yet uh, published it on the web is because it is very much an internal tool. It's, it, you know, warts and all, it, it works for us. We've got to get rid of the warts before we publish it to the world. So, uh, yeah, we, we, we're going to polish that and we're going to put it out as well. I'm, uh, I'm, 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 I'm and I'm going to switch from podcast host to, 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 the, to the scholar. I mean, really, there's little difference, but I'm salivating just hearing about this. It's searchable NCC. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there is a version already available in the on the web. Uh, I think it was put out by uh, Dr. Sampadanand, uh, where you can search volume by volume. But what you can do with our um, search engine is you can search a text. And if, say, an author is named, you can double-click on that author and you can get the author's uh, uh, background as well. And if the author's father or guru or something is mentioned, so, you know, you, it's, it's a research tool for our guys and it, it works really well. So that's one of the things we will publish at uh, some stage, <laughs> uh, hopefully soon. Fantastic. So would you say this is primarily in the service of scholars? Who's, who's this for, would you say? 
it is only for the service of scholars. I don't mm. think uh, public at large um, will have much of an interest. If there is, it is primarily for Sanskrit scholars. We are working on uh, one for uh, art historians. For whenever we get uh, illustrated manuscripts, uh, there are not very many uh, that one sees, but eventually we do want a catalog, this catalog also to work for art historians. So if somebody wants to, you know, research styles of painting from the 17th century, um, you know, Bhakti painting on Krishna from whatever. So they should be able to search illustrated manuscripts that may show up in our catalog. Right now, because there are so few, uh, I have not seen any value in uh, producing a detailed catalog of it. But I am in touch with a couple of scholars, to uh, art historian scholars, art historians to, to identify what will be needed. And once we've identified what sort of a database would they be looking for, then uh, you know we'll, we'll produce that and put it out. Why the name Sangraha? Well, Sangraha is a collection. <laughs> it is a collection. I, I imagine so. We, we have another tool which we call Sanchaya. Now, Sanchaya is the tool we carry to libraries when we want to produce digital images. So we deploy the tool. Um, we produced a simple... 25,000 rupee machine, which somebody can take to a library where there is a collection of manuscripts and produce about 1,200 images a day um, or 2,000 images a day, depending on you know what is the condition of the manuscripts in hand. And say in a month's time, we've got, you know, whatever, half a million pages digitized. And uh, that's, the, that's the library done. So that product, we have called Sanchai. <laughs> so we've got Sanchai, we've got Sangre, and we've got Sandarb, which is the one which puts a phrase in context. <laughs> yeah. You've touched on this in passing. Yeah. Uh, tell us, uh, say, uh, what is your hopeful, what is the hope for impact? Uh, otherwise put, you know, what is the, what is the future of this? What, what do you hope it'll create or facilitate? Well, there are, Let's start with something I know, okay? I don't know what research will yield, but I do know that over the next 18, 20 years, we will have produced at least two or 300 people, mostly young men and women, who understand manuscriptology, who can read a variety of scripts in which Sanskrit is written, and who know how to produce a good, high-quality, consistent, accurate digital catalog. That is more than any university has ever done. Because manuscriptology is taught, but it's taught at a very superficial level. Whereas what we've got are rigorous processes uh, with quality assurance built in. So that's something I can see, right? What I hope is that this person who wants to work on the on the works of Vidyagarga, he doesn't have to spend 13 years. He can probably find 11 out of the 13 manuscripts in about five minutes. And that's the difference which I hope I'll be able to make. It's a, indeed a profound uh, and yet possible impact given your setup and your, um, your evident dedication to this work. 
a very exciting and uh, very important work. Um, is there anything else you'd like to either say or ask? Is there anything, you know, either call action or anything else you'd like to, to share about the project before we close for today? Well, the most important thing as far as I'm concerned is we are learning. This is a new venture. It is an attempt to do something which has been done in the past, but in a manner which it has never been done in the past. It is using tools which people have not effectively used before. And how we got here was because we were engaged with scholars and we got a lot of very useful feedback. And that is the most important thing as far as I'm concerned, is engaging with more and more scholars so that we can figure out what is it that they're looking for in a catalog and how could we improve our work. So I'm hoping, Raj, that through this podcast, it will get to a, a few scholars and you know, a couple of them might pick up um, their keyboards and write to me or whatever, or contact us through the website. Without question, uh, this podcast is bizarrely popular in general, but it's um, also I pitch it primarily for a generalist audience, but uh, many of our colleagues listen in. Um, uh, despite how dry I am as a podcast host, they're still interested somehow. But nevertheless, um, I'll send a note out on a couple of listservs once the podcast is out and and I'll, we'll put it on their radar because it's, of course, for their service and it's wonderful to know that you're amenable to and, and indeed welcome uh, feedback on uh, how to best be of service to the scholarly community. Uh, for folks who are listening uh, at present, uh, what is the best means whereby to get in touch? On the website, there's a contact us button. So that's the easiest way. Otherwise, sanjay.singhal at org. That'll get to me. Okay. Well, the the, the website, uh, I think, will be a great option for folks. Thank you so much for appearing on the podcast today. Okay, Raj. Thanks a lot. Thanks for inviting me. You're most welcome. For those listening, we, of course, have been speaking with Sanjay Singhal on um, a fascinating new development in the digital world um, that, that renders access uh, to the ancient world. Um, it's Sangraha. Uh, the link is in the podcast notes. Uh, until next time, keep well, keep listening, keep reading, and maybe keep contemplating what might be on these manuscripts waiting to be discovered. Take care.